Hello, hello, and welcome. I know it's been a while, but welcome to my podcast. And I'm guaranteed to give you an episode, hopefully every week. I think I want to dive into this area of my life where, uh, which actually saved my life. And I'm not talking about the place where I went 30 years ago. I'm talking about in 1993. I was at work. And this friend of mine, who was so dear to me at the time, she hired me and gave me this job. And one day she came into work and she said, I think you need to go to this uh, school that's across the street. It's a dance school. You should go there. And I did not know that that would change the trajectory or the direction or whatever it is that was going on at the time where my life was headed. You see what it did for me? It opened up doors put me in contact with people I thought I would never do. She said, go over there and take class. I will go with you. I don't believe she ever went with me. But when I walked into those doors, the carpet on the floor, I walked up the stairs and I walked to a front desk. And I can hear this music coming from the back rooms and I looked through this pictured frame glass and I saw the dancers moving to a sound and all I know is I wanted to do it but something inside of me said I couldn't and that's when a journey started for me for dance I did it anyway I was this dark skinned puffy face, as they call it, wide nose, and this uh, hair. <laughs> I went to that school every day after that. They had a hip-hop class, they had a jazz class, they had ballet classes. There was all kind of beautiful people walking around dancing and lit tars and talking this language I knew nothing about. But I knew I can dance on the inside. I had not ever danced like that. And I wanted to make friends with all of these people. (laughs) My first dance class I went to was a jazz class. And I watched him move and I wanted to move like that. They were flowing. They were looking amazing. I was like, I can't do that. But I got in there and I started going all kind of ways and doing these turns just not running out my nose. <laughs> now prior to going to dance class, I was going to the nightclub with my friends. 
I was teaching these up and coming pop stars how to dance in their in their videos or going on their little Chicago tours. Like I was a part of that scene. And every time I went to the club, I got down, I danced, the lights hit me, you know, all of the sounds and the people, they adored me. I was having the time of my life because I was dancing. But when I went to that school, I felt inadequate. But there was this roar inside of me. I felt inadequate because they were training. I felt like I didn't measure up to what they were doing. I didn't have the uh, technical skills. I lacked that. I lacked the terminology. I couldn't understand uh, forte or degage or jetour, you know, these, these terms they use. I always felt short in those ways but I kept going to that school. And then I took a hip hop class, right? And I was able to get small amount of choreography and I started meeting people. I got to know them. Still, before I went there, I was all right. I would get on a boxing dance, you know? I would dance on a box in a nightclub. I would dance in a corner on the night at the nightclub. I would dance in front of the speaker and I got down and people watched me and they moved out of my way. It was amazing. But every time I went to that school, I felt inadequate, like I just didn't measure up. That voice kept telling me that I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this. I kept showing up. And they looked at me and put me at the end of the line and put me in the back. It kept going, but I kept showing up. I had really small legs and couldn't point my feet and couldn't stand on uh, <laughs> on my feet the way they wanted me to. Releve, they said. I couldn't releve. My toes didn't separate like everyone else. See, when I was smaller, I always had my shoes was always too small, so I had to ball my feet up so they had form that way. The lack of money or the lack or the neglect or whatever you want to call it. When I'm wearing a, a 10, I was wearing shoes that was an 8 because I wanted smaller feet because they made fun of me. So I wore smaller shoes, crammed my feet into that. So when I went to dance class, every time I would releve, my toes would go in. They didn't spread like everyone else's. And every time I danced, I would dance differently. I felt something deep on the inside of me wanting to get out. And these people would be dancing circles around me, but I felt good about what I was doing. I still knew that I was inadequate. And then I started meeting friends in the studio and we started hanging out and eating all kind of special food and dressing a certain way and wearing our hair a certain way. Started working at front desk every Saturday morning because this is how I'm going to get my free classes. Then they had the auditions and I auditioned for that class. I wanted to be a scholarship student where we cleaned glass and swept the floors and kept the studios clean. And then we get to perform in these performances where it was like company performing. We got to perform after we cleaned the studio and got all of our free classes. Then we had to make up so many classes. The class I didn't go to was ballet. 
really felt inadequate. I'm black. What black boy does ballet? But I was in a school with black men and black women that did ballet and dance. They did Martin, Horton, Graham, and you name it. My body wouldn't let me do that. Wouldn't my body? I didn't want to do that, but I wanted to. You understand? I wanted to be free when I danced. I wanted to dance like the day I stood on that stage in December of 1991 when those lights hit me and all that stuff came out of me and I moved like there was nothing in my way. I wanted to dance like that. But in the studio, you have a box. You have five, six, seven, eight, hit this move, that move. And I wanted to do that so badly. So I auditioned, I got a scholarship. I made enough money, I could have paid for my classes, but I wanted to be a part of all the other dancers and do what they do and go to those, you know, workshop performances. Yeah, they had these, uh, I won't give names, but they had certain people in the studio that was well known. And anytime they had a, a workshop or performance workshop, I was never part of that because I could not retain the choreography or I could not move like they move. But when I did dance, whatever step I could get, I did it with excellence. And people watched me and they wanted more of that. And I remember this one dancer from Alvin Ailey, her name was Linda Spriggs. She said, why don't you teach people to dance like you move? Because she saw me move. She saw me do this freestyle, and that's where I live. This woman is from Alvin Ailey, moving to Chicago with Deeply Rooted Productions, and she was somebody. She said, you can do this. And I believe her. I believe her. So I kept going to class, body snatched. I shaved all my head off shave all that hair off of my head and I went to the studio nobody knew who I was the director of the studio used to say things to me you can do that there was such this feminine dance that I didn't want to do because it made me uncomfortable it brought out my own homophobia about men and I wanted to move like a boy like a man dances But as the years went on, I kept doing my thing. And finally, I got to be in some of the smaller performance workshops. There was a woman named Vanessa. And when she taught me jazz, she gave me steps I can do. And when she gave me steps I I can do, I looked like a dancer. She'd impaled a lot of stuff on me. In her class, I didn't have to measure up. Vanessa saw something in me. So she put me in her performance workshops and I was able to perform. And those other two that I couldn't get in or they they didn't pick me. And then I started being around the company dancers. I know I brought some intimidation out. <laughs> I brought something up in them. And that's not my ego talking, that's a fact. I, I didn't have the technique they had, but I had the look. I had the personality. I could move. 
You see, you didn't have to give me five, six, seven, eight to dance. You put on the music and I was able to move and make you watch me dance. And you just kept, you know, people were hiring me. Can you do this? Can I hire you to, to uh, do choreography for this artist? Like stuff like that. I was like, yeah, whatever. That was amazing. And then I got my big break. I went to Rosemont Theater with a ton of dancers, the company makers from this company. And they told us to get on stage and freestyle and they gave me a basketball. He gave me that basketball and they put on the music. I couldn't do anything these other dancers did. They were from the Joel Hall Dance Company. They were from Deeply Rooted Productions. They were from uh, Gus Giordano's Dance Company. They were from Rue Page Dance Company. Right, all of these guys with all of this technique, but they gave me a basketball and they told us to freestyle. And I got my life with that basketball. And when we were done, one of the five. And I got my opportunity to be on the television across the globe. <laughs> yeah. The one dancer that couldn't retain choreography, that did not have the technique, and that was always crawling to the top, I got my day. And all of those dancers looked at me and I sat there in the inside I was grinning I was happy and I watched how they looked at me it was the most uncomfortable feeling some of them felt like their friends should have had my spot their friends shouldn't have my spot the spot was made for me that's why when they gave me that basketball and they said freestyle I was able to do it they didn't ask me for a pavare. They didn't ask me for a dejeje. They didn't ask me for a tour jeté. They said, can you dance? And I danced. And from there, I started teaching and dancing. The people noticed me. I got in my groove, right? I took a little ballet, a little jazz, a little, you know, hip hop. By this time, I had developed that confidence I had, and I understood that I'm a dancer. You can't tell me I'm not a dancer. So that confidence took me to auditions, and I started to audition. And I remember teaching at um, Gus Giordano. And Culture Shock Chicago was coming to town and Nike was sponsoring them. And one of my friends asked me to set up her class while she go to this audition and I realized, what? I'm going to this audition. And I went in that audition. I didn't know that in that audition that we were sponsored by Nike once we got the gig. And they picked 25 dancers. 
25 of us and there was no really hip-hop dance companies or people dancing like we were and those people became my family see I didn't dance with them because we got Nike gear every month or Nike shoes I fell in love with the fact that we were doing something that impacted the community what we did when we went into schools or camps or just performed on the street or these car shows like we got down it felt good and that's when <laughs> they started to want me in those shows because I got to do my thing. There was something inside of me that was on fire. And I wanted my own show. I wanted my own production. And I danced with Culture Shock and we did this hip hop and we traveled to Vegas. We traveled to San Diego. We traveled to Washington, D.C. We traveled to Atlanta. People flocked to our auditions. People screamed and watched us dance. I can't believe sometimes looking at videos of myself dancing. We go to auditions, you were in. Save the Last Dance comes to Chicago, they filming, we go to auditions, boom, there I am, standing right there with Carrie Washington, Julia Stiles, still wanted something else and that something else was life I wanted to create a show where everybody who can dance gets to dance so I had a show every month life living implies freedom and emancipation We are one world united in one love, the love of creative expression, dancing, shared in the spot of positive light. We are one world united in one love, shared in the positive light, taking every negative and turning into a positive picture. By this time I was writing poetry and I had friends and I was traveling around dancing and making money and still working my job and making money. I was able to teach the way I dance. I was able to learn choreography because I was excited. I went back and forth to that studio. That studio gave me my chance. I finally made it into those categories where those those two elites had their workshop performances where I was in it at some point and I was able to dance. I even went to auditions that they had. They didn't want me, but the people that they were working for wanted me because of the way I looked and the way I was dancing. See, it wasn't technical for me. It was in my soul. It what brought me into life. That, my poetry, that brought me to life. I enjoyed it. And one day I got this bright idea with that show I'm going to do every month. And I'm going to raise money. And every time something hit hard, I was on it. 
if it was suicide prevention, I was on it. We're going to do a show. We're going to raise money for suicide prevention. If it's a kid that want to travel and go somewhere else and dance in Chicago, from Chicago to New York City and study at Ailey, we're going to do a show and raise that money for her or him. And we did. If it's the kids at the park district that needed new costumes, we're going to put on a show and raise that money and, and get that money for the costumes. When you find out your friends are dying from HIV and AIDS, you put on a performance, you raise money, and you give it to them. And when that tsunami came rushing onto the lands, you put together a production. You asked one of these big name companies like Equinox to support you and they give you a space because of your name, because of how you show up in integrity. I love to dance. So they gave me a room and I was able to put something together for that. And we had the biggest show where over a thousand people showed up raising money. And then (laughs) the Missing Children Foundation. Who does that? And why was I doing all this stuff? I like to dance. No one else wanted to put me on stage, so I created my own show. And creating my own show, I was able to give back and I was able to bring dancers from all over to one theater every month. Here's the thing, I was still struggling with something. I was struggling with my identity I was struggling with my mom's death and murder. I was going back and forth to court for trials. I was struggling with being abandoned. I was struggling being a sober, recovering young person in Alcoholics Anonymous. I was struggling. However, every Saturday at 12, I was in the studio with my dance company dancing. And every month I was putting something together to get back. I was struggling with my education, vocabulary, writing words, and all kinds of things. So it gave me an opportunity to write poetry. And I would write this poetry. And I would dance. It was one of the most exciting things to get on stage and recite a poem, to ride for an hour to the south side of Chicago to another park district and pick up chairs in the U-Haul and carry them up two flights of stairs and turn the Joe Hall Dance Center foyer into my theater where I would bring 25 acts, dancers from the west side, south side, and the suburbs together and pack a room with 100 people. Exciting. It served a purpose. I was able to live out 
inside of myself. I was able to bring dancers together at the Noble Street Theater, put together eight-week programs for schools and become a school vendor. Because Linda told me, why don't you teach people how you dance? What you do is beautiful. People wanted to hear my poetry when I spoke. And my friends, my circle of friends got big. invitations to auditions got bigger. I don't know I was ready to kill myself off, but that stuff kept me alive. As a dancer, we have to be very careful how we treat other dancers that come in the circle. Being that kind of artist was amazing. And that thing that was rowing inside of me got bigger and bigger and bigger. I remember the stages started to become bigger and bigger and bigger. to the United Center. See, I had seen Michael Jackson on stage at the Chicago Theater that's now called the United Center. And I remember standing in front of there watching him with thousands of people watching and me in the front row. And then I was on that stage with thousands of people watching me I was on the stage looking out when I was dancing. I didn't know that full circle was happening at that time. So I'm real cautious about who I nail up on the cross or what grave I'm digging for someone in that world. Every night I went to the club because that was the way I can dance, be free. I enjoyed being different, and I still do today. Life, living implies freedom and emancipation. No one really got that. The emancipation of a death 
for those years that I started that production on to our dance, I was free. It's just the freedom I got. And that's what I'm talking about. Everyone around me didn't really know what that word. The memory. The show is in memory of Patsy Ann Wolf. Because I needed to work through some stuff on stage. And I needed to do it in front of a lot of people. And every time the lights come on, I dance really, really hard. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.